leadership is a journey, not a destination. We've heard that a lot of times about life before, but when you talk about it from a leadership perspective, you really get clarity around the fact that you're on a never-ending journey, and it's all about never-ending improvement. My guest on the show today talks with passion and fervor about this, about how he becomes more of a selfless leader in his quest to become better at doing what he does, to engage the people he works with, and really get the people who are on his team to want to be there willingly, so they come to work with their passion for doing what they do. There's so many nuggets that I take away here from this. And I think the key bit I always say is, I've never thought about measuring leadership before, but Michael Tanner on the show today has the formula, credibility plus competence divided by motive, multiplied by relationship. And you can measure leadership, measuring it relative to self. And the key denominators for this are motive and relationship. So to build better leadership capabilities, create your relationship with your team, create it with the individuals, but also work on your motive, selfless versus selfish. The selfless ones are the ones who do best overall in building leadership. Enjoy the show. And as always, remember, please pass this on to those people you believe can benefit from listening to this content. Because without those lead leaders in the world, we can't move businesses forwards. And my mission in 2022 and beyond is to really help people step up, scale up and achieve their ambition. And it's through great leadership that we hear from people like Michael Tanner that we get to do that. Enjoy the show. So welcome to this week's edition of Sparks by Ignium. I'm your host, Phil Rose, and this, I believe, is our early start to 2022 programme. I'm recording it at the back end of 2021, and my guest today is Michael Tanner. Michael's a leadership veteran. He's got over 28 years of highly engaged and practical experience, and I really want to delve into some of this practical experience because I think that's the key to what really drives business success and personal success for day, today. Michael's got a lot of experience around uh, helping people step up their businesses, but also step up their own personal proposition as well. He started life in the US Marine Corps, and he's moved up to C-suite executives because he can really bring a lot to this conversation. He's always constantly increasing his knowledge and increasing his practitioner experience. He's got a bachelor's degree in computer science and a master's degree in leadership, and he prides himself on leveraging his unique combination of education, skills, and experience to harness the greatness with his clients and unleash the possibilities of their leadership potential. And for me, that's one of the reasons Michael struck my eye when I heard about him, and I really was looking forward to this conversation. So I'm going to delve straight in and start talking to Michael about what is leadership. And as you go through this, I'd love you to listen out for some of the bits around servant leadership and how you can bring that to bear on your own people development and your own development yourselves. So, Michael, welcome to Sparks by Ignium. Hey, Phil, thanks so much for the opportunity. It's a real blessing and a real honor for me to uh, chat with you, but also to serve you and your audience in any way I can. So thanks so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, and Michael, you know, I, I appreciate this as well, because obviously um, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, this word servant leadership, but actually mm -hmm. more about how do we bring servant leadership to help ourselves? So I really want to delve into that from a perspective of what does servant leadership mean to you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I look at leadership and, and I call it servant leadership. That's probably the, the more appropriate term to my style of leadership. Actually, I kind of made up my own uh, title of, of leadership. I, I consider myself a servant coach, wow. meaning I love to teach. I love to train. And, you know, so that's the coach part, but I believe in servant leadership. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that of all the various types of leadership, I believe servant leadership to be the most powerful and influential form of leadership. And honestly, I first learned that in the United States Marine Corps. And when I say that, a lot of people really, I, I feel like I have to truly convince them of that and persuade them of that because they think military, they think Marine Corps, yeah. they tend to think about uh, rank structure, you know, command and control type leadership. I said, do it. 
therefore I outrank you, therefore you do it. But honestly, the best and most influential leadership that I experienced, even in the Marine Corps, was that leader that was a servant leader. And mm -hmm. I knew they were a servant leader because they didn't they didn't influence me or or get me to do things yeah. based on their rank. They got me to do things because I understood they cared about me. Yeah. They took actions that demonstrated that they cared about me and cared about the team, cared about other people. And that servant leadership to me is all about taking those actions yeah. that shows you care about the people you're leading and the actions you're taking are doing things to serve them, to, yeah. to make their, their life easier or enable them to, to get their job done in a more efficient manner or in an easier way or whatever. Yeah. So as that leader, that's your job. Your job yeah. is there to serve them in any way that you can to ensure that they can succeed and, and, and achieve the goal that you're after as a team. Yeah, I love that. And I love that thing about, you know, showing you care about people as well, because I think that's one of the key things. And, and you're right, when often you think about the military, you often think it's sort of command and control. But right. the bit I'm hearing from there, it's about caring for people and actually efficient leadership enabling, and enabling people to come along the journey with you. Um, and the bit that always comes to mind is, is the, the difference between leadership and followership and actually about mm -hmm. how do you create a team of followers that really will go with you wherever you want to go, to go because yeah. they believe yes. in your purpose. And that's the bit that I just hear when you're saying that around yeah. that servant leadership. Yeah, I think that's the power that is in servant leadership is that it creates this willingness to follow. Uh, yeah. So within the Credible Leadership Group, we, we build all of our leadership development around our definition of leadership. And our definitely, def, definition of leadership is influencing others towards a shared goal. Well, that word influencing, we use that very strategically because it has with it this notion of a willingness to follow, right? Mm, People mm. are doing what I ask them to do because they want to, they want to follow me. They're not doing it because I outrank them or because in the corporate world, I have a title, uh, you know, they're not doing it out of fear yeah. uh, that I could punish them in some way, or I could, you know, I could fire them or something like that. Because when people are, are doing things because of rank or title or fear, I think at best, you're probably getting a half-hearted effort from them. Yeah, yeah. But if people are doing what you've asked them to do because they just want to, right? They so admire, so respect you as the leader, they want to follow you. Well, now you know you're getting a you know, full effort. You're getting yeah. everything they have from them. Uh, and, and so I think that's the power in, in servant leadership is this idea of a willingness to follow you. Yeah, I love that. I, I often use the phrase about, you know, if, if you... Uh, and one of my big pieces around Ignium and, and what we do is very much around creating purpose in businesses, not for mm -hmm. the point of purpose for purpose sake, but actually that you then get engagement with people. Uh, and we all know the phrase around, you know, if, if people buy into your purpose, they go along with their blood, sweat and tears. If That's not, right. they just work for your money. And I think for me, it's a, that, that willingness to follow is about they've got something in them that they say there's a common purpose here. Mm -hmm. and, and just touching back onto your military experience, I think whenever we think about some of the greatest military leaders that we can re reflect on over the period of time, it's all of those who can, they, there's, a, there's a purpose behind what they do. That's right. It, it's, it's, and it's guided within them. And I really believe that's the, the key to business and also personal leadership as well. You know, we often talk about leadership within business, but actually leadership outside of business into, in just in yeah. the community and the work we do is all about getting people to willingly, as Jim Collins has said, be on the bus.
That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, in purpose for, for us and our definition here, purpose is all kind of wrapped up in that idea of the shared goal that's yeah. in our definition. Uh, there has to be a goal, right? If I'm leading a group of people, if I'm leading a team, we have come together as a team for a purpose. We're trying to achieve something, right? We have an intention here. We're not just kind of wandering aimlessly through the workday. We're trying to achieve something. So there has to be a goal that aligns with that purpose. But the word shared for us, it has two, two meanings, if you will. It's uh, first of all, it's got to be communicated. That goal yeah. by the leader, it has to be communicated. So I have to have shared that goal with the team. But the second part of that word is this idea of togetherness. We are in this together, right? I, I'm not the leader sitting in my office barking orders and expecting you to go and do all the work to achieve the goal. There is this togetherness. We're in it together. I'm, I'm working just as hard as you are. I'm working maybe even harder than you are as the leader. And, and so I'm working with you. I'm in the trenches. I'm getting my hands dirty with you yeah, for the yeah. purpose of sharing that goal. And you put all that together, like you say, and it has a really, really powerful and compelling purpose yeah. that really uh, drives people to to give it everything they have, as you say. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so when we when we often talk about leadership, we often, you know, there's there's been lots of things done around. I've been I've been in business probably. Um, in fact, I've been in business since effectively since 1993 when I graduated, and I, you know, I joined an, mm -hmm. an aerospace company and I worked through there and. One of the things that we did right at the beginning of that within, it was Rolls-Royce, you know, a, a great company to work for. I enjoyed it. And mm -hmm. they put me onto a leadership program. Um, and, and we often made this different, differentiation between management and leadership. And we often mm -hmm. talk about management versus leadership. Yeah. Um, and, and then we often talk about how to measure it as well. Mm -hmm. so I wonder, what have you ever looked into how to measure effective leadership? And what, yeah. would you, what would you talk about from that perspective? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely want to talk about that. and But I also want to, just comment on that manager versus leader. Yeah. You know, I, I don't get all hung up too much on semantics and all that, but uh, when it comes to being a manager or being a leader, I, I look at that in this manner. Um, when you talk about a noun, a noun is a person, place, or thing. Uh, well, when you manage, you can manage the place or the thing, but you should always lead the people right? Mm -hmm. So the person. So if you break up a noun and person, place, and thing, manage the place and thing, but lead the people. Because uh, you can, you can manage a, you know, inventory, you can yeah. manage a conference room, you can manage a meeting, you can manage your time. But you don't ever want to have the opinion or, or the attitude of uh, I'm managing my people. Uh, that I mean, Interesting. When, when I say that, I, what comes to my mind is the micromanager. None of us like or want to be the micromanager, because when we view our role as managing the people, it means that essentially that I have to micromanage them, I have to tell them exactly what to do. And so, and that's just not what you want to be you instead you want to be a leader. Yeah, that again yeah. is serving them in a way that just lets them get the job done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but then now to, to move on to your, to your how do you measure it? I'll have to say in, in our firm, this is one of the most difficult questions that I find for clients to answer is how do you measure leadership effectiveness? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I usually start with how do you define leadership? And I, and I get answers all over the map. But then I ask, well, how do you measure it? And I find too many people, I believe, use the wrong metrics for measuring leadership. One of the most common metrics to use for measuring leadership effectiveness is attrition within your team. Mm -hmm. 
But my struggle or my challenge with that is if you're looking at attrition as a measurement for good or bad leadership. So in other words, if your attrition is high, you're losing a lot of team members, then your leadership must be bad. But I look at that metric as, well, it's too late at that point. It's too late to look at attrition after everyone has left or, or the good team members have left yeah. and think to yourself, oh, my, my leadership must be bad. Um, it's almost like looking at the scoreboard at the end of a soccer game. Uh, you, you call it football there, yeah. I think. <laughs> but it's like looking at the scoreboard at the end of the game and trying to change the score. Well, you can't. It's too late, right? Yeah. Um, so I, we've tried to address this idea of measuring leadership to enable people to do so in real time. You know, what is my leadership score, if you will, right now? Uh, and to do that, I relied on my computer science background, and, and I'm not going to nerd out on the math too much for you. Uh, but uh, we developed a, what we call the leadership equation. Okay. And it has four variables in it. And we have a calculator, an assessment behind that, that, that use, utilizes the calculator to give you a leadership score. Okay. And, and you can work on those four variables and you can actually watch your leadership score grow, you know, increase at that. But the, the four variables are, are credibility, yep. competence, motive, and relationship. And uh, we can, we can talk about all four of those. We can yeah. dive into any of those. We can even talk about the math. Well, let's, let's, let's do the, let's do the, the definition first. Cause I okay. think you said something earlier, which I think really piqued my interest. You said about, you've got to be able to define it first. And I think yeah. that's the key. So, so, you talked about um, if you measure attrition, you're measuring effectively what I call rear view mirror. Exactly. You're looking at yep. where you've been rather than looking forward. So we're trying to look at something that gives us a forward measure mm -hmm. of, of your leadership effectiveness. So you then can score yourself today and do something to score yourself in the future and see how you change exactly. and improve. So I think that's a, that's a key one to this. Yes. Um, and I guess just to put some context around this, thinking about a business owner, you know, a lot of my, uh, the people I work with are, are, are scale up businesses with ambition to grow. Mm -hmm. um, I typically say 20 to 200 staff. Now that's a fairly arbitrary number, but it's that scale of businesses. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we doesn't work with, with smaller businesses, but it's actually understanding in those businesses, you've got a key fundamentally different factor you need to bear in mind, which is actually there's a number of people there. And therefore mm -hmm. to get your people willingly on the bus to do that, you've got to get them along that journey. That's to start right. with. So defining it is key. Yes. So when you talk about your four variables, if I think about the, the, the business owners I'm working with, credibility, competence, motivation, and relationship, mm -hmm. they've often got relationship in place. They're credible for some reason, maybe mm -hmm. we need to touch on what that means. Right. They've probably got competence, but they're probably competence, competent initially as what I call technical leaders. Mm -hmm. They're good at doing something that's as right. opposed to managing people. That's right. So we've got to work on what that means. And their motives, they want to grow their business. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would see it as, a, as an outsider's view. Yeah. So let's look at what that definition means. So where, which one do you think is the, is there one that's more important than other to start with? Or do we just delve into one at a time? Well, mathematically, I would say to you that the most important of those four variables is motive, right? It, okay. And motive, it's the answer to the question. It, it's a very personal question, but it's the answer to the question, why do you want to be a leader? Right. Yeah. And, and the answer to that is in the perception that your team members have of your reasons for being a leader, right? And it really comes down to, do your team members perceive your motives for being a leader as selfish or selfless, right? Yeah, yeah. Because what happens is um, if your team members believe that your motive for being a leader is selfish in nature, 
then like I said earlier, at best, you're going to get a half-hearted effort from them. But mm -hmm. if they truly believe that your reasons for being, a, you know, your, your motive for being a leader is selfless in nature, that you care more about the team than you do yourself, well, now you're going to get maximum effort from them. And I say mathematically, it's the most important because it's in the denominator of our yeah, equation, think, right? So it's divided into everything else because yeah, what yeah. happens. So for instance, if you, um, you know, you have a team member and you ask that team member to, uh, to do a task that, you know, no one likes to do this task, but it's got to get done. But you ask a team member to do that task. Well, if that team member is questioning your motive and they believe your motive to be selfish, thoughts mm -hmm. are going through their mind like, well, well, why did he ask me to do that? You know, yeah. why is he angry at me? Why did he ask so-and-so to do that? Or why do we even have to do that? So you can just, you can see the questions, uh, the questioning of motive that's going on in that person's mind. But if yeah. that person through history with you knows that your motives for leadership are totally selfless yeah and you ask them to do that exact same task they don't have that same level of questioning going on in their yeah. mind and so they they can then devote the maximum effort to it um, yeah so that's that's mathematically why i think uh, uh motive is is the number one uh um variable to focus on yeah that's interesting so so the, the bit i'm hearing there is that that selfless versus selfish and actually you're right if there's so what i'm hearing that is if, if I've got a selfish motivate, motive to get it done, it's to make my own needs come true right. versus the selfless doing it for the good of something else. People are more willingly willing to go and do it and, and follow you on to do that and get the job done. That's right. That's right. Okay. So there's another key bit, which, I'm, I'm, which we need to talk about in that case. So you're measuring leadership from a perspective in this case of um, how does the team perceive you as well? Mm -hmm. So it's not just my perception, it's the team's perception at this point in time, That's right. which is critical to it. T totally, okay. totally agree. Yeah, we, we, as I said earlier, we have a calculator that is basically a survey, an assessment, and it uses the equation. And we allow leaders to use the assessment for themselves. But I'm always quick to point out, that's good, but it's much, much better to have your team do the assessment on your behalf, because yeah, that's yeah. the real measure of your leadership is the perception that those you're leading have of your leadership. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, then you're getting a fully objective view Correct. of it from somebody else to the external view. And it's, it's the same at the end day, someone else is holding the mirror up to you, and you're seeing what's really being seen. Exactly. Exactly. What you want to perceive. So. Yes, okay. exactly. So, so, so that sounds like a really, we've, we've obviously skimmed the surface of that. We might go into more depth later. So motives, mm -hmm. number one, yep. where, where would you go next? Credibility, competence, or relationship? So I would go to relationship. Um, and this is where just my natural nature to want to be a servant leader. Uh, for me, I always get conflicted between uh, relationship and motive, because as I said, mathematically, mm -hmm. motive is most important. But I, yeah. you know, just for me personally, I believe relationship is most important. Um, and what relationship here is, it's really the level of relationship you have with your team member as a person, not as a team member, right? It's the level of relationship, you know, them as a person. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's certainly as a leader, it's important that you know, you know, well, what are they doing within the team? How are they performing? What are their deliverables and so forth? But that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about relationship. I'm talking yeah. about how well do you know them 
as a person? How well do you know their family? Do you know their spouse's name? Do you know their children's name? Do you know where they're going to school? Do you, you know, how well do you know that uh, them as a person? Now, yeah, yeah. relationship is also important mathematically in our equation because relationship is multiplied by all the other three variables. Um, and again, mathematically, that's important um, because let's go back to that, that, that analogy I used with motive. So you've asked a person to uh, do a task no one likes to do. Quickly, the thoughts that might come to their mind are, are, as I said, well, why is he asking me to do that? Why is he angry with me? You know, so forth. But then the, the mind could then quickly transition to, well, but I know Phil really well. I've got a really good relationship with Phil. And, and I know he's got the best interests of the team at heart. And so I'm going to go and do it. So you can see how a high level of relationship has yeah. overcome a shortcoming maybe in motive. Um, yeah. So a, a high level of relationship, it can help you uh, overcome shortcomings in the other three variables, right? Yeah, if, yeah. if your team member set, looks and says, well, I don't think Phil has a lot of competence as a leader, but I've got a really, really good relationship with him. He knows me really well. I know him really well. I trust him. You can see how relationship overcomes some shortcomings in the other three yeah. variables. Yeah. So, so effectively, it's interesting, isn't it, that thing about relationship, because at the end of the day, it's about building that relationship. Um, th there's a slight, slight concern I've got in my mind, and I just want to fire this out. Sure. So sure. I'm, I'm a part of a leadership program with a, a German automotive manufacturer at the moment. And one of the modules that we work on with the individuals there, it's about them developing the management, is what, um, what roughly translates from German as proximity and dif distance. And that's about how do, I, how do I get close to you as my, my employee, my team member, yeah. but also how do I maintain distance? Because sometimes I'm made to make harsh decisions for the benefit of the organization. Yes. So I wonder how do you factor relationship into that proximity and distance type of approach? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a, it is a really tricky balance. Um, you know, what I'm, I'm not advocating for you to be best of friends with with those that you lead right you, you your families are not going to go on vacation together and things like that um, but the way i like to teach uh, leaders to to gauge at what level of relationship are you going to establish with a team member is you essentially let that team member decide right and as long as you're letting that team member decide you're you're mm -hmm. pretty safe that you're not going to get to an unhealthy balance of relationship and and authority as a leader, if you yeah. will, right? And what I mean by that is, even two different individuals on your team, they're going to to desire a different level of relationship, right? One might uh, want kind of a surface level relationship, and and another may be okay with it with a deeper relationship. Mm. And what you as a leader don't want to do is you don't want to force one on either one of those two team members. You want to let them uh, determine what that relationship level is. And you do that by just kind of slowly building the relationship. So yeah, if I was a yeah. brand new team leader, um, when I met with one of my team members, I would introduce the topic of getting to know them and their family by sharing a little bit about me. Hey, you know, hey, my wife and I, you know, we've been married 27 years. We've got three kids. I got two in college right now. Tell me a little bit about your family. Yeah, I love it. Well, love it. that person may only tell you their, well, yeah, I'm married also. Okay, that's enough. That's all I need for now. And then the mm -hmm. next time, 
Hey, Hey, how's your wife doing? She's doing okay. And then she'll, then he'll yeah. tell yeah, my, yeah, Jill is doing okay. Well, now I know it's Jill. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm just going to kind of slowly build that relationship. I'm not going to push it. Um, but I'm going to slowly build that relationship. And then that team member, when I do it that way, that team member is determining how close yeah. this relationship can be. I love that. And what you're not doing is pushing your view on it. You're That's just right. sharing how you've been married 27 years and you wait for the other person to come back and just share a bit of it, yep. Yep. bit of knowledge for them. You haven't shared much more than that at the stage. You're not breaking any confidences. You're just starting the conversation. So I love that as an approach, actually, and that, that yep. start the sharing. And, and it's really powerful that you demonstrate for them that you're just as willing to be as open and vulnerable and, and build a relationship as they are, right? So yeah. you can't expect them to tell you all about their family if you're not willing to tell them about yours, right? So you've got to, it's almost like leadership by example here, right? I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, you know, give you the example of how I'm building this relationship. You can, you can share similar, you know, details with me as well, right? Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really, really key one. It, it, struck, it, it struck me as a, a conversational piece here, actually. Um, I do a lot of work with um, some of the work of Patrick Lencioni, okay. five dysfunctions of the team. Yes. And one thing that Lencioni talks about, he talks about um, in terms of building functionality within a team and, and moving that dysfunctional side of it, mm -hmm. is about building trust. Yes. And the base of that pyramid is how do I build trust? And part of it is he talks about a personal histories exercise where we start sharing things yes and there might just be in your leadership team to start with but just sharing a bit about who you are and what you do so that's right so that bit you just share there is something that just breaks the ice it gets the conversation going you're starting that journey to try and break down any any uh, resistance to trust that's in the team to start with just build up that relationship to start with because it's only when you do that you can start to have healthy debate that's right about building the next level of the conversation so uh, nice nice segue into that yeah de definitely so so, so we've got motive, we've got relationship, and you said that relationship was multiplied by the others. So, yep. so effectively, that leaves credibility and competence. Yep. So, so credibility and competence are added together, and okay. then that's divided by motive, and then the whole thing, all of that, is then multiplied by relationship. Yeah. So, you can, mathematically, again, you can see how motive and relationship are so important. But that's not to say that credibility <laughs> and competence are not important. They they definitely are important. In fact, one yeah. of my one of my favorite books, uh, leadership books is called the leadership challenge. And it talks okay. about that credibility is the foundation of leadership. And what credibility is credibility is this, this history or this track record of success, right? Your team members look at you. And they have seen some type of history or track record of success. Because when they see that, then it makes it believable that you can lead the team into success, right? So if they can see mm. that history or that track record, then uh, it, it helps them to believe in the possibility of success here as a team yeah. with you as the leader. So that's why credibility is so important. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the, the thought that went through my head there, and I, I wonder if you want to touch on your backstory at some stage, mm -hmm. um, because actually, you know, as a rookie leader, and, and I use that rookie leader because we're going to talk about rookie leaders because that's the name of your podcast, right. and, I, yep. and I love that in terms of it, because as a rookie leader, you're new into it. Yes. You don't have credibility on day one. That's right. So how do we how do we do that? And obviously, credibility plus competence. So competence, mm -hmm. I could go and do a, a leadership course. I could learn the mm -hmm. basics of leadership. Mm -hmm. I could 
pick up a textbook and you know I could read the leadership challenge I've got some competence yeah but if I have no credibility at that stage yeah. it has to come from something else within me yes so what have you seen over time that, that gives people credibility as a leader yeah. well I think the first mistake we meet we we make when we think about well how do I build credibility I'm brand new to this team I have no credibility how do I build it um we have to recognize that a track record of success or a history of success Success doesn't have to mean this big, grandiose, you know, win, it, you know, some huge revenue goal that you achieved or something like that. That doesn't have to be the type of success that builds up your credibility. And in fact, I would argue that credibility is best built up by these little bitty small wins, right? These little bitty small yeah. successes that are done consistently over time that's how we build up credibility. And so one of the first things yeah. that I teach, if you're brand new to a team and yeah. you're trying to build up your credibility, then the first principle you want to adhere to as a leader is always do what you say yeah. you will do. If you say you're going to yeah, do it, yeah. you'd better do it because what that is, that's a small success. That's a small win. And then you tell a team member that you're going to do something else and then you actually do it and then you actually do it again and again. And so what you've done is you've started building up this track record, this, this history of their, yes, they're small, but they're successes. Yeah, it would be better that. for you to, you know, so a team member comes to you and says, Hey, I've got this challenge. It's really been a struggle for me. It would be better for you to, to say, man, yeah, I hate that. I wish I could do something for you, but I just can't. It would be better for you to say that than it would be to say, well, look, let, let me see what I'll do. I, you know, I'll talk to so-and-so and I'll see if I can get that fixed for you and then not do that, right? It'd be better just to say, I can't help you than to tell them you're going to help them, but then not do it. So yeah. that's the first thing I suggest is just adopt this attitude. If I say I'm going to do it, then I am definitely going to do it for my team. Yeah, love it. And, and, and I think that's, that's really interesting. I think that's a great um lesson for life anyway about mm -hmm. integrity yes you know if you say you're going to do something and i come back to you know one of my values is integrity i always talk about passion respect integrity that's the start of my yeah. my, my values um so integrity is about doing what i say i'm going to do and, and committing to something and if i if i give you a promise i will do it yes and i think what you're saying there is that's the thing that builds that credibility that's right because you're just doing it bit by bit by bit that's you're right building up your credibility over time yeah because your your team members naturally start to translate that into other aspects of leadership too right every time he says he's going to do something he does it and then yeah. that translates into you know, well, yeah, we've got a difficult goal, but I know my, my leader is committed to doing whatever it takes to achieve that goal. Right. So that doing those little bitty things, your team mm. members, they're going to kind of translate that into the other bigger things again, that, that makes it believable to them that you can yeah. lead them to success. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a really interesting thing, isn't it? Because then you're building credibility all the time. You're getting your team on board. That's right. And it comes back to that bit of about earlier, because you're helping to build relationship as well mm -hmm. by doing that because people just start to trust you more. That's exactly right. Because you've done what you're saying going to do. Yes. So, so, so effectively you've got motive, you've got relationship, credibility and competence. And I love the form of the fact you've got credibility plus competence divided by motive times relationship. Yes. You're getting a number out of it at the end of the day. Yes. Right. So, so, so as a, as a rookie leader, let's talk about that as a rookie leader, you might expect your, your score to be X and you want to move it to Y. Yeah. You could work on any one of those four areas. Now looking at the mathematical format and then thinking from a, from a perspective of where do you get the biggest bang for your buck? Yeah. I would say relationship. Yes. Yeah, that, that you, you're, you're hitting on 
why I always get conflicted about, is it motive or is it relationship? I'm saying the same, yes. You know, and really what it comes down to then is when you, when you have a score, when you've used this equation and you have a number, which I should say that this equation, it doesn't mathematically come out to be uh, on an academic scale. So I have too many people that get a score, uh, you know, and they're expecting something in the 90s and that's an A and no, it, mathematically, you don't get a number like that. Really, the purpose is just to get a number and then yeah. make some changes so that you can see that number grow or increase, right? Yeah. But okay. once you do that, it's it's really important to look at what are the scores that you get in each of the four variables? Because maybe you have a decent score, but uh, your your motive number is really high, meaning meaning people question your motives as selfish. Yeah. Well, then okay. you really should focus on motive. Um, but maybe you look at the numbers, your motive number is really low, your relationship mm. number is pretty high, but your competence yeah. number is really low. Well, then we need to work on the competence number, right? So uh, it's yeah. at that point, you really got to look at, well, which of these four variables would you get the most uh, from your efforts when you increase that, that, that particular variable? Yeah. And, and, and I think the bit that I picked up from you said just now, you're scoring yourself relative to yourself and that's the key isn't it because actually you might get one score i might get another score it doesn't mean we're better or worse leaders yes it just means relative to self yes this is my score today on the you know this day today and therefore i can see myself improving my score over time because i can do some specific things to grow myself yes and it it even has more dimensions than that in that um yes your intention is just to compare yourself to yourself right so you get Mm -hmm. a number then you take some leadership action to increase that number. But you also recognize there's, an, there's another dimension to this. If you have a team of five people that you lead and you send this leadership calculator to them and they take it on your behalf, you're yeah. going to get five different numbers because you probably have a different level of relationship with all five of those yeah. in, individuals, yeah. right? Or all five of those individuals perceive your motive slightly differently. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so what you're what you're going to want to do is kind of have a, um, a scatter plot, if you will, of all the individual scores from your team. But then what you can do again, you can take the actions necessary to change those variables and you can watch your scatter plot grow. Right. Um, and, and so, yes, it's not just yeah. one number. Uh, and watch that one number grow. It's really about watching the collection of numbers that would come from your team. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think there's those. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're putting the science behind leadership. And I think the key there is, it's, it's not a scientific number, you're not going to get a score out of 100, and you'd be able to say a 90 is good or 80 right. is bad, you're just getting a score. So there's something there about it gives, gives me a chance to just understand where I am today relative yes. to self, I can score myself and I can work. Yes. And I'm thinking about you know, in, in leadership development. So when I when I started my business, I was I was interesting, actually, lucky enough, when I started my business, I just finished an MBA mm-hmm. back in 2002. Uh, and I started my business because a very good friend of mine, Neil Kane, uh, said to me, Phil, I want to train my, my sales managers how to be better managers. And he didn't use the word lead, he said mm-hmm. better managers. Yep. But I can't, can't afford to send them to Ashridge where we'd done our MBA. Mm-hmm. He said to me, would you help? So I said, as a, as a rookie at the time, I said, of course I will. So I took all of the leadership knowledge I had from two years of MBA and condensed it into a leadership program. Mm-hmm. Again, it was management and leadership at that time. But I then worked with those individuals to help them just develop. 
But yeah. what I found is I had to make it unique to each individual because I wasn't a business school. I was a one, one person business. Mm -hmm. so, so I created a leadership program, which lasted actually 12 months. And I ended up training yes. in one month and coaching in the next month. And I didn't, didn't call it coaching at the time because I didn't know what coaching was right. 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. But the key is it's about taking some, some leadership and management knowledge and building it into something else. And the question I've got really is very much around um, what makes a good leader? So if we looked at those four aspects, and I want to ask you a bit about your, your back history here in terms of where mm -hmm. you've been and where you've seen good leaders in action, because you've got, you've got commercial experience, you've got military experience. Without naming names, where have you seen the best people shine as leaders? You know, oh man, that is such a good question. And, and I'll just say, I've been fortunate in, in both ends of the spectrum. I've been fortunate that I've been led by some really, really good leaders. And I've been led by some really, really bad leaders, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so I know what it feels like to be in both of those, those uh, worlds, right? And, and I would say to you that th the best leaders that I've been a part of, I knew what their title was, or I knew what their rank was, or I knew what level of authority they held within the team or with the, within the company or whatever. But I honestly would have to say the thought of their title or their authority never crossed my mind. It, it just, they, they built that type of relationship, that type of influence on me that I never considered what their title was or what their, their, their level of authority was. Right. Whereas at the, at, at, on the other end of the spectrum, the bad leader, it seemed to always be about, well, I'm the vice president and I said, let's do this. Therefore let's right. So, yeah. you know, to me, it, it's just that idea that Leadership has nothing to do with title or position. Uh, it's really about how much influence, how much willingness to follow do you have from those individuals that you're leading? And, and just to make that point too, I think we've probably all experienced this. You have a group of people, a team, and one of the individuals on that team has the title of leader. But there's another individual on the team that everyone so respects and so admires that anytime that individual yeah. says something, you'd better believe the team is probably going to do what that team member says. And, yeah. and that team, member, yeah. they don't have any kind of title. They don't have any special authority or whatever over the team. They're just so highly regarded by all the other team members that when they say something, it influences everyone else, right? It's this willingness. Yeah. And so that person is being a leader, in my opinion, uh, not because they have a title, but just because they have influenced people in a way that they're willing to follow them. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's really interesting, isn't it? Because the, the thought that I was going, going through my head as you were saying that is, you know, those leaders who have to pull rank to get things yes. done are the ones who aren't the real leaders. That's right. And it's about that bit around, you know, the influence is key because they're the ones who, you know, they're, they're the go-to people that you know they're going to get it done. Yes. And actually, I love this is how your, for, your formula really comes to mind if I just think from that perspective, because I can see their credibility. I can see the relationship and I can see the motive coming up. Mm -hmm. Competence may or not be there, but either way, you can see those other three factors yeah. driving the leadership ability. And if yeah. I've got a better relationship with my team, they're willing to, to, to be on the field with me and do That's things right. that others wouldn't. That's right. Even, even if they, at the moment, question your competence, right? It, you know, you're like, you know, the, the example I always get, and you used it earlier, is that that salesman that just got promoted to sales manager, right? Yeah. Um, it, they probably got promoted to sales manager because they were great salesmen, right? Yeah. That's usually how that happens. I'm a great salesman. Therefore, I must be a great sales manager. Well, in our equation, competence, and you alluded to this earlier, competence really has two parts to it. 
it's one, it's the subject matter. I think you called it the technical expertise. It's the subject matter. So if you're leading a sales organization, I expect you to have some confidence in sales, right? Yeah. You, you yeah. need to be able to sell. But the second part of that confidence is now leadership capability. Mm -hmm. And this is where I believe companies and teams start to falter is they, they promote that salesman to a sales manager and assume that they'll be a great sales manager, but they don't do anything to train them in leadership. And so that's where your team starts to question your competence. They, they look at, well, yeah, you're a, you're a great uh, salesman, but as a sales manager, as a sales leader, yeah, you, 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 you know, you're not doing so good there because you don't have that level of competence yet. Right. Um, yeah. so it, it, you know, competence is, is equally as important as, as the rest, because it's about how does your team see you and your competence. And, and if you don't have it just yeah. much like credibility, if you don't have it yet, your team just needs to see you building up that competence. Mm -hmm. Bit by bit, bit by bit. I think exactly. Key, isn't it? Yep. Um, so, so I love this conversation because, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer by background. So I love the fact you can put numbers around things, but yes. also the fact that you can measure it. And I, I always had um, a phrase from somebody I knew once, and I can't remember who it was at this stage, which is, you know, you, 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 if you can only measure it if you can define it. Yes. Uh, and what, what gets measured, get done. Yes. So, yes. so from this perspective here, we're saying we can measure it, we can improve things. So the next bit in that case is, you know, we talk about leadership and management. I mm -hmm. talked about my management program I put together in 2004, mm -hmm. um, which was just me combining notes from different MBA sources around. Mm -hmm. um, but, but leadership changes over time. And I think yes. we started this conversation by talking about, you know, your military experience a little bit in terms of, you know, sometimes it was those who would crack the whip to get things done. And that was the traditional view of leadership. If you look back over the, the, the years, but we've changed our style of doing things over the last yeah. 20 years, maybe, especially since I've been in, in, in management and leadership or in employment generally, we've changed our view. And I think, you know, looking forward to 2022, we're here at the back end of 2021 recording this now. I wonder what's the, could you, and we've not, I've not prompted this question. So I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to try it, throw it out and see what happens. Sure. What would be your prediction of where things might go 2022 and beyond in terms of the world of leadership? Yeah, that's such a, such a good question. And, and I think you're exactly right in that um, leadership, or, or people's feelings and thoughts about leadership has certainly transitioned over the last, say, 20 years or so. I mean, certainly in the, in the military world, but even in the corporate world, you know, I think we're kind of, we're, we're moving away from that industrial age, uh, you know, even in the corporate world had that command and control type of, well, I'm the supervisor, I'm the manager, I'm the boss, I said, so now you do it. And you had individuals that stayed at a company for life. And yeah. so yeah that type of leadership, it was, I would say it wasn't optimal, but it was okay. To, today, that type of leadership is not okay, because yeah. people leave too quickly. They will leave a team. And there's a saying, right, that people don't leave bad companies or bad products, they leave bad leaders. Uh, and that's true. And so if you're going to be today that command and control authoritarian type leader, you're probably going to lose a lot of people. And so that yeah. makes that type of leadership not okay, right? And that's where I, I believe things like, or concepts like servant leadership start to come into play as being um, very, very relevant because I view servant leadership as the only type of leadership that has longevity, no matter the circumstances, right? So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. if I'm a servant leader and we enter into a pandemic, where now people are having to work remote and we don't have that close proximity to one another. I believe servant leadership can serve you well in that 
situation, just like it served you well a few years ago in, yeah. when we were all at the office together, right? Yeah. And so that's, I think that's the power in servant leadership is it has the longevity. People yeah. aren't going to leave you just because you treated them poorly. Yeah. Um, and really, because you're serving them, you're building the relationship with them, they don't question your motives, then your influence, your leadership is then going to survive whatever kind of circumstance might come your way in, in your team. Yeah, and it's interesting isn't it? because I think this is really critical. You know, we've talked about the word, you know, the, the great resignation. A lot mm -hmm. of people are leaving. They've realized that, you know, the last 19 months of this pandemic has, has taught people about um, work-life balance and yep. said so they've had more life at home they've seen their families they've seen other people which has been good and bad for some people i admit yep. um we're seeing people handing in a notice and we've seen um examples recently um of a lot of people being ma made mass redundancy so 900 people made redundancy redundant by zoom recently mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is uh, highly publicized so so from what you're saying there is actually this servant leadership is actually a way to maintain connection with your employees with the people you work with your teams and connect to them on a different level, isn't it? Because actually, yes. if people can come to work and know that they trust you, they know they've got credibility, you've got credibility, yes. they trust your competence, they trust your motive, and they've got a relationship, you're building better teamwork and better leadership through that as well. So I think yeah. this word mass resignation, great resignation, yeah. we can work towards managing that through our leadership styles. Totally, totally agree. You know, I have it as one of my goals, kind of a personal goal that if anyone ever leaves my team, if they want to resign and go to another company, yeah. I want the, the most difficult part of that decision, that, that whole decision-making process for them, you know, maybe they're leaving to go for, for much greater compensation or, or, you know, that other position is a, is a dream job, a dream title for them or whatever. But I, in that, in that thought process, in that decision-making process, I yeah. want for them to be uh, of the opinion that the most difficult part of that whole decision process is coming to tell me that they're leaving the team. And I don't want them to, to, to fear telling me, hmm. I want them to be of the opinion of, man, I just love working for Michael so much that I really hate the idea of going and telling him I'm not, I'm leaving his team. Hmm. Right. And I just wow. want I want to be that kind of leader that's so impactful and influential in the life of my team members that should they decide to leave, they regret the idea of having to come to me and tell me because they just love being a part of the team so much. Yeah, yep. yeah. I think that's a really interesting, isn't it? A really interesting point. Um, so, so look, I've got, I've got, I could talk to you for ages about this. It's a, really, it's a subject that's close to my heart, but I've got, I've got four questions I've written down in which I'd love to okay. talk to you about in the next few minutes. Sure. Um, we, we've talked about leadership training. Um, one, one of the questions I often ask, and this is this is going to cast your mind back. You know, you've been you've been in in leadership, you've been in business, you've been in the military for many, many years. And yeah. um, if you could go back in time, in my magic time machine, and give the young Michael some advice mm -hmm. to help him become a better leader in the future, which bit of advice would you give him, and why? Yeah, you know, really good question. I I, I would definitely focus on motive. Because, yeah. you know, I'm honest and transparent enough to tell you that in my early days, I wanted leadership because I wanted for selfish reasons, I wanted le leadership for the title, you know, I wanted to be able to say, yeah, when I introduced myself to people, yeah, I'm the vice president of so and so and right, I kind of wanted that prestige, uh, the, the compensation that goes with it or whatever. Um, and so the advice I would definitely get give is make sure that you're doing the things to keep your motive for wanting to be a leader 
selfless in nature instead of selfish in nature. Yeah. Um, that would have, that would have greatly benefited me in my early leadership days for sure. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you said that earlier, that's exactly what went through my mind. I think uh, that that's selfless versus selfish. And I, yeah. I wouldn't have overtly said I was selfish, but I can now relate to them. I think actually, yeah. you know, we often did that to, to, to get somewhere different. We wanted to move ourselves forwards and, right. and we probably did things that were, were more selfish than selfless. And I think yes. there's a big yep. thing there, isn't it? Yeah. And I think interesting, actually, if we think about, um, and I'm not going to talk politics, but if we think about politics and politicians, actually, the selfless ones are the ones who actually right. should be seeing drive the, the countries and the nations we're working through, because actually they're the ones that we actually really can see the benefit from. So, um, totally agree. Uh, totally agree yeah. with that. Yeah. And, and the good news is, if you entered into leadership through selfish motives, the good news is you can change that, right? And you just simply need to take the actions that are then going to lead to the desired attitude or, or feelings or emotions that you're after. Right. And if, yeah. so if you want to be, you know, if you want to swing the pendulum from selfish over to selfless, yeah. Start taking some actions to show that you're selfless, start, start expressing appreciation, start giving credit to your team members for the successes of the teams. And as you do those things, you'll start to your motive for being a leader will start to shift from being all about you and selfish to being all about the team and all about the success of the individuals on your team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that from all about me to all about them. Yes. The I'm just there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's really powerful. Powerful. Um, so, so you, you've learned your craft over the years in that case, what's the, what's the, the number one or, or couple of sources you've used, which said, this is what's really informed your knowledge. Yeah. to get you to where you are today books videos yeah. talks. what have you seen around the place well, well i'm a i'm a huge consumer of books i, I love uh books um really what it comes down to is i'm just a believer of just constantly and consistently building up your 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 competence right um yeah. uh, you know i guess 28 years in leadership i could say yeah i'm a leadership expert or i'm a leadership guru or whatever but i can never have the idea that i've arrived that I, you know, now I'm a leader and I've arrived. I don't have to continue to work anymore. I don't have to continue to learn anymore. Um, you just can't have that attitude. Leadership is a journey. It's not a yeah. destination and it's a journey that uh, really never ends. You've got to always be uh, learning. So I, I've just, over the years, just books. Some of my favorite authors are John Maxwell, Ken Blanchard. Both of them are, are really big in servant leadership. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, th those are probably my two favorite authors re regarding that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I might have mentioned to you when we had our, our catch-up call before this, mm -hmm. I remember the very first manager book I ever read. I, I did a road trip around the, around the, uh, the east side of America right. when I left university in 1993, and we, uh, we, we drove up somewhere up north from Philadelphia and uh, eventually ended up in um, uh, Buffalo and then went okay. across um, to, to, to Canada. Yeah. And I met a friend's uncle, and on his bookshelf, he had this book called um the one minute manager oh yeah yeah Kim classic. That book yes. yeah i was i was 23 years old and it was this tiny book and i remember reading yeah. it thinking wow this is interesting stuff yes but i think that one would have been one of my first management books to read so right Kim Blanchard was yeah. on my mind from very yeah. early days yeah no i'm a big fan of his uh he john maxwell and ken blanchard they are definitely leadership mentors of mine they don't know that uh, but they are definitely mentors of mine yes yeah i love that i love that 
Um, so it's been it's been fascinating this conversation around this. So I'm, I'm taking away so many different things from it in terms of this this journey you've been on, and, and the bit you said at the end there as well. You know, leadership is a journey, not a dev- not a destination. Right. It never ends. Right. So you're on a 28 year journey, and you're you're still a rookie into it. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm constantly learning. Um, just because I recognize that tomorrow there'll be a new situation, or there'll be a new circumstance, or I'll get a new team member, or whatever. And uh, it, it will require consistent and constant learning on my part to, to effectively lead those. Yeah, I love that. So I've got a question here. You, you lead a podcast as well, and I've listened mm-hmm. to a couple of your episodes. So, mm-hmm. so just for the listeners of the Sparks Bakery, just can you do a bit of a plug for the Rookie Leaders podcast? Tell me about that, because I think it's a great podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's a Rookie Leaders podcast. You can find it at rookieleaders.com. Um, and it's a mix of monologue. At times, it's just me teaching a leadership principle. At other times, I have uh, other leaders um, uh, all as guests onto the podcast. And it's really meant to be a platform where we have kind of veteran leaders, leaders that have been in the leadership space for some time, just sharing wisdom and knowledge uh, around leadership with uh, with the audience. Uh, the The primary audience, well, I'll tell you, it's kind of unique because uh, initially when I started the podcast, I'm like, uh, well, let's, let's, uh, let's go after these, these first time leaders or these leaders that are, are aspiring to be a leader that they're not yet, but they, that they want to be in a leadership title soon. So that that's probably, I would guess about 50% of my audience today, that, that first time leader. And then the other half of the audience is really, um, uh, leaders that have been in leadership for some time. Maybe they've been in leadership for five years or seven years, but they feel like they've plateaued. And I believe what happened is I believe they came looking for leadership content because they started to feel stuck in whatever leadership role they're in right now, right? Their responsibilities haven't increased. They haven't been promoted. Their team hasn't gotten any bigger. And so they kind of feel stuck or plateaued yeah. and uh, they came searching for leadership content. So I would say it's, that's the audience about 50, 50 of brand new leader. And then uh, maybe middle management or, or that five to seven year leadership career yeah. uh, as well. And as you said earlier, leaders, leadership is a journey, not a destination. That's right. So actually, at the end of the day, these guys are on a journey. That's right. And we see, see it all way through developing it. Yes. So um, I think that's fascinating. So, so look, this has been a really fascinating conversation, Michael. I really appreciate your time. I've learned so much there. And the bit I'm taking away is very much around credibility plus competence divided by motive times relationship. And if you're to work on one thing, motive and relationship are the two because it's either selfless or selfish. Yes. And the selfless leaders are the ones that do better that's overall right. than the selfish leaders. So that's been fascinating. That's right. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been a wonderful time. And I, I, I just wish you a, a, a good luck for the next 28 years of your leadership journey in your quest. Great, Phil. Thanks so much again for the opportunity. Again, it's a real blessing and honor to, to serve you and your audience any way I can. So thanks so much for the opportunity again. Michael Tanner, thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I've enjoyed recording it. This is just one of the great conversations I've had the privilege of being part of since I started recording the Sparks Baconian podcast. So please go back and listen to some of the others. There's some great content in there for some great contributors. And also, while you're at it, please leave a review of this show with your comments because that helps other people like you find this content. And we want to bring about the change that we really know matters to people. It helps us grow. And also, think about what actions you want to take, because there's no point just listening passively. We want you to pick it up and do something with it. So what are the three key things you want to do? I can't hold you accountable, but if you want to, drop me a note, phil at igniumconsult.com. We're always keen to listen to what you have to say, and actually introduce guests to us that you think will bring relevance to other people. We wish you well. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. 
give us a review. Thank you.